Hi there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to another episode of the Jedi Council podcast. I'm your host, Alistair Clark, and today I'm joined by the Darth Sidious to my General Grievous, Dave. Say hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. Darth Sidious. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely the Darth Sidious, you know. You're my master. I'm learning from you. Every time's an education, and you know, several of our followers on Twitter have been saying that. They'd love to have the chance to interview you, and hopefully they will do. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that. I honestly didn't know that. <laughs> oh, I'm literally laughing my, my head off at that. <laughs> good, 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 good. Now, uh, regular listeners will hear that Alex Drew, our regular host, is uh, not with us today. But some good news for you all. Um, Alex has been participating in a series of runs, Star Wars themed, I might add, in uh, Disney World, Orlando, Florida. And he's just about to phone in and join us. So uh, let's say hi to Alex and listen to what he's got to say about his runs. That's right, Star Wars fans. It's Alex here. I'm live from Orlando, uh, Walt Disney World. And I can't be there in the studio with the guys today doing the recording as I'm over in Florida doing a half marathon. For the past few days I've been here where I've been involved in the Walt Disney World Run Disney Star Wars Dark Side Half Marathon. And as part of that, for the past three days, I've been doing back-to-back races, trying to raise money for an awesome charity. But I'll come back to the charity in just a minute. Just a little bit about the weekend and what we've been up to since I've been here. Uh, got here on the Thursday, just gone. I went to the Star Wars Expo where we picked up our bibs and took a quick peek at some of the Wicked merchandise that's available on sale. Check out our Twitter feed and our Instagram pages for what some of that product looked like and some of my haul that I managed to pick up. There's some pretty cool exclusives here, actually. Uh, so quick, take a quick peek at that. Spent the rest of the day Thursday just kind of chilling out uh, and relaxing because the running was underway on the Friday. On the Friday, I did a 5K where we started at 5.30 in the morning doing this 5K. So that was over pretty quickly, but each of the runs was at 5.30 every morning. Hey, we're in Florida, right? So the weather out here is pretty warm, nine times out of ten. Uh, and the, the past few days has been no let up, really. Um, on the Saturday, I woke up again, kind of the alarm was set for 2.45 in the morning, so early, uh, to then go for a 10k run, uh, where I then woke up again on the Sunday, which is the day I'm recording this, uh, to do the half marathon. So all in all, covering 36 kilometers uh, over those three days, which is about 21, 22 miles, give or take. Um, the vibe here has been absolutely amazing. I've done a couple of Run Disney events in the past, uh, a couple in Paris, I did the Walt Disney world half marathon over in again in florida a few years back but this weekend was special there's something about the star wars fans that kind of brings it all together a little bit more and even my wife who i did the run with uh, actually said that she kind of got caught up in the whole star wars thing she's not a star wars fan she's she enables me to be a star wars fan to be fair um and she lets me have a geek room at home but she was here doing the runs with me she loves running as well um and we've had an absolute blast there are some pictures that are going to be following today of some of the medals uh, that we picked up all in all this weekend i picked up six medals uh, so there's the three races of the five the ten and the half marathon prior to coming out here i actually took part in the star wars virtual marathon uh, half marathon sorry uh, and then because i did the 10k and the half marathon back to back i did something that was then called the first order challenge um, and because i did the virtual 
and then did the half and the challenge we got an additional medal called the Kessel Run. Now each of those medals are themed uh, very differently uh, and again a picture of that will be on our Twitter and Instagram page for you guys to take a quick peek at. But the virtual marathon, half marathon was a Poe Dameron medal. The 5K was a First Order Stormtrooper uh, helmet. The 10K was a Praetorian Guard helmet, which I think is my favorite actually. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, the half marathon was a Captain Phasma helmet. And the First Order Challenge was a Kylo Ren helmet. That pushes the Praetorian, uh, Praetorian Guard helmet to a close second for me. Uh, and then the Kessel Run Challenge, as you can probably guess, guys, it was the Millennium Falcon. Um, so I've had an absolute blast here. Shame I can't be with you guys doing the recording for the podcast today. But I will hopefully be back next week. So back over to you, Ali, in the studio. And I can't wait to see you guys. So thank you, Alex, for your report from over there. It's great to hear from you. We're really proud of Alex, aren't we, Dave? Oh, God, yeah. Really, really. I mean, he's, he's literally done 5K short of a full marathon over three days. Yeah, it's amazing. In, in blisteringly hot heat out there. Yeah. And, and what people don't know is the dedication. He's been getting up at half two every morning to do this. And I don't know about you, Dave, but I couldn't do that. <laughs> he's well, he's gone to bed early to make it work but yeah yeah he's up at half two because he the, the idea is they're trying to get these races out of the way before it gets too hot and too humid for them to actually run yeah it's, it's some hard going but he's been doing it for great cause as well thank you for those that have donated to him and if you want to read more about his story you can check it out on the jedi council twitter feed um so talking in the twitter feed uh it was hayden christensen's birthday this week um I'd say one of the more controversial castings, maybe even the most controversial castings. Um, and I just wanted to take your take, or get your take, Dave, on his acting and how you thought he portrayed Anakin. Well, okay. I enjoyed the prequels, and I know that there are plenty of fans out there who didn't enjoy them as much. I, I would say the. the, the they're not as good as the original for me. I, I'm in that position, but I still enjoyed them. Still enjoyed the stories that evolved. I enjoyed the characters that were in them. Hayden, though, oh, oh. His, his, his acting in those movies was possibly not the best. But it's, I, I, I tactfully leave it at that, I think. Okay, because he is my favourite character from the whole saga, but not... Really? Yeah, but not because of Hayden Christensen, it's despite Hayden Christensen for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I love the journey that he went on. I think he's the focal point. Um, certainly, during his Jedi phase, he's my favourite Jedi ever. Well... <laughs> I get that, and I agree with that, to be fair. Um, I did, for our followers, and you're aware of the fact that we're doing the Padawan podcast with my son William, um, we actually touched upon that on our most recent one that will be released in a, in a couple of days, actually. It just needs a little bit of editing to, to get it ready for release. Um, and... Yeah, we, we, we do touch upon the entire... The, the fact that the prequels and then the original trilogy, it becomes really the story of Anakin, the story of Vader, the story of his rise to, to greatness, his descent into hell, effectively, and then his redemption at the end. Um, 
so for me, yes, I agree with you that um, Anakin Skywalker is a great character. Um, and I love the Clone Wars. I thought that was brilliantly done. Me too. Um, dare I say that the cartoon version of him was less wooden than the real version of him. <laughs> Funny you should say that. I was I was thinking of mentioning that at a later point during this interview. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 because I absolutely agree with you. I think, actually, talking about that, we're a little bit light on Star Wars news this week. I mean, there has been some more casting uh, that's came up. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that, Dave. As in the possibility of who's going to appear in the episode, episode nine. nine. Yeah, absolutely right. Luke Skywalker's wife. Well, yes. I, I don't know. Is, is Mara definitely coming back? Or are we talking about, or is Yoda going to come back? Well, I don't know. I've, I've seen both, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the rumour is is that there is currently casting agents out there Um looking for a character called Mara. Now, this could be another red herring because, um, as we know... Could be a code word, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And all films have that. Um, I think Solo was called Red Cup or something in homage of the Red Cups that they have in America um, when it was mm-hmm. being done. So there's lots of code words going on. Um, would you be in favour of this as a tool to show what happened to Luke in the interlude in years? I don't know anymore. Um, I like the fact, controversially, I like the fact that when Disney acquired Lucasfilm, they did cast out the expanded universe. Um, I, I, and I know that will be controversial because there are a number of massive diehard fans who love the expanded universe, as do I, to be fair, the, the, the Thrawn trilogy, um, Heir to the Empire, were f- phenomenal. And I even enjoyed the use on Vong, to be fair, um, despite how amazingly powerful they were. So, but I quite like the fact that when Disney bought Lucasfilm, they decided, right, we're going to do this with a clean sheet, and we're going to start over, and we're going to make it, because we now own it, we're going to make it the way that we want to make it. And I like that. Um, it's, it's, it means that you, you don't know where they're going to go next, and I like that, and it means that whatever they do next, and however they take it, whether it's on book, whether it's in comics, whether it's on film, it's a new story. So for me, that's good. And... I've also enjoyed the fact that they've brought back some of these characters from the expanded universe, such as Thrawn. Yeah, um, that that was that was good. I enjoyed that. Whether they need to bring back, I don't know what I don't know what the benefit would be now, because the way that Luke's character was so badly assassinated in the last movie. I don't know if there's any benefit trying to bring back his his wife yeah. from the expanded universe. I don't. I don't know. I'm torn over that. I mean, can they can they actually make good on the mess up that they made to Luke in the last one? I don't know. Okay. Well, I I mean, I, I almost feel like we, we have to sort of move on 
from from that episode now and focus on episode nine. And and the question in in my mind would be, J.J. Abrams had an arc which he wanted to happen. Now, is he he going to return to that arc and find plot devices to do that? Or is he going to do this sort of relay-type filmmaking and come up with something completely different? That's what I think is going to be really interesting about this. And and my my suspicion is is that if the Marvel rumor is true, is that he's not he may be returning to his arc and finding ways to do that, which I think could be really cool. That would be that would be. I, I don't know. I don't know how he can resurrect some of the things that maybe he wanted to do. Yeah, and might partly because Carrie died. Um, and that came as a massive shock to everybody and it, it could never have been foreseen yeah. she was relatively young um, so I think that all is, is, that's always going to be a problem going forward with this movie and then when you look at the way that the movie then portrayed Luke you almost end up with should we just jump forward 10 years and take the, the story forward as completely cleanly broken. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I mean, I think it's going to be fascinating as de- details emerge on that. Um, I'm talking of controversial before the last Jedi was even dreamt of. There was something which I think is very contentious and very interesting and is our main topic of discussion tonight, which is the Mortis arc. Now, when this happened, I think I'm right in saying it was a George Lucas, Dave joint venture, and they both came up with it and agreed with it. And during editing, they actually had to take scenes out because they thought it took the whole mythology to a supernatural level where it shouldn't go. Um, Dave, perhaps you could just give us a quick overview of the Mortis arc, what it is, who it involves, and just some general initial thoughts around it. Um, okay. So, Mortis arc begins with a distress, an ancient Jedi distress beacon being released in the middle of, of space, um, which alerts the Jedi, and, and so they go to investigate. They send... Um, Anakin, uh, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka um, they plan to meet up with a detachment of clone troopers led by Rex on a, a cruiser at the ron- at a rendezvous point where the beacon was, was picked up um, both parties arrive there but can't find each other, each other and then all of a sudden the Jedi f- discover a, a floating diamond shaped planet yeah. For, for want of a better word, yeah. Um, and so they they go to well, actually no, they don't go to investigate. They get sucked into it, yeah. By some type of tractor, yeah. It beam. sort of splits in half, and yeah, they go into it. Yeah. Um, so they then appear, wake up because they they they're unconscious for the next bit. Um, so it's, it's quite mystical in a, in a lot of that and how that happens. Um, they then appear on this planet um, where. Day seems to be dominated by someone that is known as the daughter, which seems to be brightness, light, beauty, health, vitality. And nighttime seems to be dominated by an entity known as the the um, 
the sun, who was darkness and winter and um, death and decay. And so the days just seems to go through this this uh, constant cycle of birth and, and death and rebirth and death. Um, and they seem to have an interest in Anakin, and they want to know if Anakin is the chosen one. Um, ultimately, he gets introduced to their father, who's known as the father, and he seems to be trying to keep balance between the light and the dark. And it, it, it appears that these are almost force entities, dare we say ghosts, uh, uh, sorry, gods, um, where we're now talking of, of this mythology um, and a, a pantheon of gods where you've got the father, which is neutral, and then a daughter, which is light, and a son, which is dark. And there's this, there's this battle between the two of them. The son wants to escape. He feels chained to the planet. Father won't give him a means to, to spread his wings, so to speak. Um, and he, the son believes that the by luring the the Jedi there, and particularly Anakin, it will give him a means to get rid of his father and ultimately to escape from from the the planet. Um, things don't go as he plans. He ends up killing his sister, sort of. Um, his, his father then dies as well. Um, and he's left on the planet and the, the Jedi escape. Um, and I think that... I think that yeah, that pretty much summarises it. Yeah, I think, I think that summarises some of it. So I think we'll, we'll delve into some of the other facets throughout this conversation. So the first thing I want to do is, is, is ask you... What was your what was your first impression of the idea of they're called force wielders but are effectively gods? How did you feel about there being gods in the force and in the Star Wars universe? It doesn't necessarily bother me that. Um, I enjoy reading fantasy novels as much as science fiction. Um, some of my favourite authors are actually science uh, science fantasy or um, fantasy rather than science fiction. So the likes of David Eddings with the Belgariad. Um, um, I'm trying to think of others now. <laughs> David Gemmell, um, Raymi D. Feast, um, and, and Terry Brooks. Actually, Terry Brooks wrote the novelisation of um, Phantom Menace, but he is a phenomenally successful author in his own right and wrote numerous other novels, particularly Shannara um, epics. So I, I actually enjoy fantasy right. as much as I enjoy science fiction. And as we touched on previously, the Star Wars universe is as much fantasy as science fiction. So for me and for Alex, um, it is effectively magic using space wizards um, and knights. Okay. But but how do you feel? So um, I know you've said before uh, the force binds us, penetrates us, etc., etc. How do you feel about the idea that through, I don't know, let's say 30 plus years, we've understood the force to be 
the all consistent in the universe and that it is it is random but there is no one who owns it and controls it people can use it to an extent of their talents and then we're told that there is an almighty controller of it are they controllers of it they can- or are they just anthropomorphism of the force itself well they say that they had to leave the universe and so uh, where they are mortars it is it is their prison as much as their sanctuary because they were so powerful in the world that they had to leave it for balance to be maintained. And throughout the episode, um, there's suggestions that should one side uh, dominate Immortus, so it shall be throughout the galaxy. Yes. Yes, and and that's the way that that it's left with the idea that if the sun was ever to be unleashed upon the universe, it would just be war forever. Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, I can see why people would find that to be an issue. I myself am a bit like you. I actually kind of like it. And in, I would say, in Rebels and in the new trilogy, um, the question of force and balance is sort of the main consistent theme because uh, the son says uh, to Anakin, he is neither Sith, or he he is something like it, but it's not quite, and something worse, which suggests that there is just a dark side. Yes, and well, I think even with the prequels and the expanded universe, you had that because you 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 had force wielders who were good, you had force wielders who were bad. The idea of Jedi or Sith was more along the lines of an organised school of teaching. Mm. You could be evil and still use the force. Yeah. You could be good and still use the force. It was it was more a case of how you get trained to use it and almost, almost with a school of this is how you're using it, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. But until, and forgive me, I could be wrong, but until the Clone Wars, um, because obviously, as you said, things became legend and there were, there were things outside, yeah. had had we seen it officially put down, and I'm thinking of someone like the Knight Sisters, that there were Force users out there, or indeed witches, um, who, who were manipulating it, uh, other than Jedi or Sith. Well, okay. We... In the last week, we put out a photograph, and in fact, I think we might have discussed it on the last podcast, of a book called um, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Yeah. Where we, we talked, yes, it, we, we did talk about it, because we discussed the fact that the Mimban is the name of the planet, and you were going to have Mimban troops in the new solo movie. Um, but also, one of the things that was in there was the fact that everyone was hunting for this crystal, which is a kyber crystal, or sorry, um, a kyber crystal. Yeah. 
which I always think is, is quite cool on the, the basis that we now know that the crystals that power lightsabers and the Death Star weapon are kyber crystals. Um, so I, that was always cool. But the on in that book, we're introduced to an old lady, and oh, I've not read the book for a few years now, but there's an old lady in that book that introduces Luke and Leia to the fact that this crystal's in existence and that they need to try and find it. And she is neither light nor dark. Mm. She's an old lady who is Force-sensitive, is Force-aware, is able to manipulate the Force. She's not very powerful with it. I think she can move a salt shaker-style thing on a tabletop. So she's she's not powerful, but she's Force-aware, and, and she, more than Force-aware, because she can, she can manipulate it. Um, so even going back, 40 years now, 1978, there was this idea that you could have force users who were neither light nor dark or were not necessarily Jedi or Sith. Yeah. Is it also so I, think, I think it's been a constant theme. But wasn't that book taken out of canon or wasn't it the first book to be taken <laughs> It became non-canon pretty much straight away <laughs> as soon as Empire Strikes Back was announced. So, uh, yeah. It's 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 interesting to me because um, as as someone who has stuck to films, cartoons, um, it was it was my first encounter with something like that that I can really remember. I'm trying to think now. I can't think of any others. There may well be, and if there are any, then please correct me, listeners. Um, we're always happy to hear feedback, and we love to hear what you think. Um, but uh, I, I can't remember, and, that, and that's why I think some people had a problem with that. But there was, of course, very interestingly, uh, in the first episode of the Mortis trilogy, a return of someone we've not seen since the Phantom Menace. Uh, and I wondered if you wanted to touch on that at all, Dave. We, yeah, well, we have a Force Ghost. Yeah. Um, did Liam Neeson actually play it? In yes, the, he did. The yes, he did. As well? yes. yes, he did. Um, so yes, so uh, Qui-Gon's back, briefly, um, offering advice to Obi-Wan. Yeah. Um, after all, he was his master. Yeah. I but the question there is, was that actually him? Was it a manipulation by the brother or the sister? Or the daughter, sorry, the father or the, the son or the daughter? Um, was it real? Because we also had a visitation by a future Ahsoka. Yeah, um, which we should talk about later, and indeed Anakin's mother. Um, But with this one, the father directs him to an area which is particularly strong with the Force. Um, I'm I'm talking about when Anakin speaks to Qui-Gon later on. So I think think it was real. Um, and And I suppose that would be the very first time we encounter a Force ghost in canon. Yes, from a time perspective, that's true. And we know that Qui-Gon was the first because Yoda learnt it from him. He did. Or well, he went on the same ex- expedition to uncover how to do it, which was what happened in the Clone Wars Lost episodes. Yeah. So, so I think it was him, and I think I think I thought that was really cool, um, bringing him back as a character. I really enjoyed it, and I thought it added a lot to the episode. 
just it a did. Good voice, which is really cool. Now, the 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 main premise, and we're, we're talking really broad strokes because this is something that we could literally put on play, listen to two minutes of audio, <laughs> and then talk about the ramifications throughout. It's that kind of big. And if you haven't watched it, really suggest you go and do so. Um, there's loads of ways of doing it. It's uh, particularly cheap on something like iTunes at the minute if you want to pick up some copies of it. Um, but so the first thing I'd like to say, or my main takeaway from the first episode called Overlords, which you described brilliantly so far, Dave, is that we see at the climax, we see um, Anakin for the first time walking away from his responsibilities and showing his heart to be truly conflicted and focusing on attachment and to his wife Padme um yes what did you think about that was it the beginning of the end for Anakin as a Jedi that moment I think we'd already seen that in Attack of the Clones where he again again which uh, in a way, ties into what he um, tells his his mother, his, the ghost of his mother. Yeah. Um, the fact that he killed all the sand people. Yeah. Um, executed them like animals. Um, which is something that he also told Padme yeah. after he'd done it on Tatooine. Yeah. So, I think that was the beginning of his descent. Right. I think that was the first, the first overt move he made to, to passion and to anger rather than to serenity and peace. Yeah. But in, in this episode in particular, the father, um, challenges him to find out if he is the chosen one. He does. And he shows that he is. Now I think the chosen one as a sentence is more controversial now than it was even when the Clone Wars was written because of what's happened in Rebels where it suggested that Luke is the chosen one. Uh, Alex and I discussed this on the Rebel Roundup podcast but in my view Anakin was the chosen one. Um, he's the one who brought balance for me. Uh, discuss Dave, was he the chosen one? I think he was ultimately. Yeah. Because he managed to overthrow and and destroy the stranglehold that the Jedi had over the universe. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they, they were uh, manipulative or evil, but I think if okay, if you go outside of Star Wars here just for a second, you you've got other um, mythology style books um, universes where it's not necessarily good and evil but you've, you've almost got like the forces of stagnation and the, and the forces of unbridled creativity and abandonment if, if for want of a better word and they're, they're often referred to as chaos and law mm-hmm. and in quite a, a large respect you could refer to the Jedi as being law mm. and the Sith to be chaos mm-hmm. yeah. um, because the, the Jedi go down the route of control of 
curtailing passion of restricting freedom, not not because they're evil, but because they're afraid of the ability of the force if it is allowed to, to be unfettered. And then you've got the Sith who... Ultimately, they became evil, but what they were trying to do originally was just use the force in a less controlled way. Yeah, and I suppose that is that is the legends now. It's it's not necessarily canon, but that's that's where the the, the Sith came about because the Sith were not initially a, a school of thought. The Sith were a race of people who. Or, or aliens who intermarried with Jedi outcasts who were, and they might even be called Jedi outcasts, they might even be the name of the comic book. Um, but so the, so the Sith initially were just Jedis who wanted l- less rigid controls over how they used the Force. So. To go back to your question, did Anakin bring balance to the Force? I think he did, because he removed the shackles of control that the Jedi had imposed. Yeah. For all the right reasons. Yeah. And then ultimately, he also managed to um, remove the machinations in the background of the Sith Mm. by by unveiling who their leader was and by destroying him. Yeah. So, so to all intents and purposes, at that point, there were no Jedi, there were no Sith. Yeah. And I, so you've got balance. Yeah, I I completely agree. And actually, um, when I was, I watched this again last night and I looked back and, and it made me think again of Anakin's journey where, you know, he starts off, as you said, Jedi. And for reasons that, I completely understood, and I wish they'd gone into a little bit more in uh, in Revenge of the Sith. I, I wish they'd gone into it a bit more about why he turned. Um, I, I think you could see through there the journey of someone who actually brought balance to the Force. Good, bad, ends. He'd oh. experienced all the facets of it. He'd been the, arguably, the most powerful Jedi in the Clone Wars. He's definitely referred to as that. Um, in Rebels, um, when Ezra's doing his training, um, he was a very, very powerful Sith Lord, and he was the one who ended it. Um, so I, I think he was the chosen one, and I think that this was, whilst I agree with you that he'd, he'd gone down the path of it, in this one he decides that he will walk away, because if he'd stayed on the planet and brought balance to the force, that it was said that the war externally would not have increased. Yes. And so by him walking away from that duty and saying, okay, I might be the chosen one, but I have attachment, I have a wife, I'm very focused on that, and my revenge of my mother as death, I think that was him um, walking away from his duty for the first time, which we then see later on. Yes, that's a good way of taking it, actually. So I think I think it was a really, really key moment in the in the character development. So it's uh, just a, the father offers him the choice of taking his place. Yeah, exactly. Of being that balance. Yeah, he can control them both, 
And he says, no, I would rather return back to the universe. So on that note, they escape. Yes. Would you like to fill in the story from here? Well, they sort of escape. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Um, they, they are leaving the planet, um, when all of a sudden the sun appears, um, and takes Ahsoka prisoner. Um, so that, well, I suppose the reasoning behind that is to force the Anakin's hand again so that he returns back to the planet. Yeah. Um, and then you, you go through quite a bit of angst during this part of it where there's, there's Ahsoka's been taken prisoner and, and they're trying to find her um, yeah if anything it becomes darker yeah. throughout this story yeah I think the tones here become incredibly darker and so they return to to the planet um, Anakin's eyes start to rage. He heads towards where the sun is based. Looks like he's going to fly directly into it. And Obi Wan grabs the controls at the last minute and flies him to one side. Um, Big crash. Yeah, it's but it's it's real aggression in his eyes, which again to me was showing him moving towards the dark and away from the light. True, um, but then you also see a, a dark Ahsoka in this. Yes, which which I thought. Yes, I mean we should we should get get to that in a second. So so they're back on the planet, and the sun puts it's almost like an amulet around Ahsoka's arm. Um, and then just she wakes up with the same yellow eyes that we see that Anakin has when he turns to Darth Vader in the film. Was she not bitten? There was there was that little it was it was it was the sun as a small creature and it bites and yeah. the sort of thing goes on her arm. Yeah. So uh yeah. And so we see Ahsoka turn to the dark side. Um and this this raises interesting questions going forward, related hugely to rebels, because um there was a confrontation between her and Anakin, and um, at that point, the concept of time is is mentioned by the father, and it all being fluid. And she says, "I've seen my future, and what happens if I don't leave you, and what you'll turn into." Which, of course, ultimately mm. happens in the Clone Wars. And now we know from Rebels that she's taken out of her time again. Yeah. Um, and we don't know what happens to her during those periods. So there's something there about Ahsoka's future as well, which I think is really interesting, which we didn't know at the time, and has only really been revealed in the last few months, about her connection with time being fluid and moving through it. Well, f- for me, I know that the Clone Wars is supposed to the story of Anakin, but for me, the, the Clone Wars were actually, it was, a, it was Ahsoka's story. Because you see her go from this kid who's very brash, happy-go-lucky to a young lady who is mature, uh, prepared to sacrifice everything for the greater good, but he's also jaded and disheartened by the rigidity of the Jedi Order. Yeah. 
so for me it was the, the Clone Wars are actually her story more than uh, Anakin's because I don't think Anakin changes over the Clone Wars to the same extent that Ahsoka does yeah so, so we're jumping around a little bit in this episode sorry <laughs> no 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 it's my fault it's my fault um, so but time is fluid remember yeah <laughs> indeed indeed and long in case of Jedi Council podcasts um, yes, <laughs> but the the son um, where he joins his father and sister again in this episode just after Ahsoka gets by it's bitten. His father expresses his worry to his son's descent into the dark side. What I found interesting about this is, is, is when we meet them, we see that there is dark and there is light. But the son's character at this point descends further into dark, and we see more of his powers revealed which of course is very interesting as a jedi turns to the sith and his powers increase or hers powers increase indeed so i I kind, of, I kind of liked that synergy um and then so we see the daughter sick bed daughter not the son's fault it's just in his nature so that says to me that sometimes um they're just going to turn dark it's just in their nature and I, I don't know, because the, the, the daughter, she sacrifices herself. Which we're about to get to. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Which, which proves that, that, that the, the light side always has that balance. As dark as the dark ever goes, the light will always be as light. Indeed. Or has the potential to be. Yes, and... No, so so for me, but I'll go back to that if you don't mind, because there is a blade formed by the pure force, which is the way of mm. killing them, which is what you're referring to, which eventually kills the the daughter when um, when the son tries to stab the father after an altercation, and he ends up stabbing the daughter who jumps in front. So we have. So I find it quite interesting that this blade that the father had kept hidden from them both because it's a, a weapon of ultimate power is revealed. Um, and we've never seen it again since, so we don't know what happens to it. But when you are, when you, yes. but when you're talking about the son and the daughter's uh, re- relationship, um, effectively at that point, the dark side has exterminated the light. So does so at that point yes. the dark wins. But by using a, a, an outside agent. Yeah. But that's not 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 inherently of its own ability. Yeah, but when you say that the light rises to meet it, so the light rose to meet it, and the dark, ex well, well it's, it, it exterminated it. it, mm, it so it then does, the dark, the dark yeah. is there. But then light rises again through the resurrection of the father, and balance is restored. Yes. So because the son was was aiming for patricide, he wasn't aiming to kill his sister. No. The daughter throws herself, which is like the ultimate act of, of self-sacrifice that the light purports to be, putting everything ahead of, to, to protect and to save. Yeah. So um, we get to this point where uh, the, the daughter has been killed. Um, well, we think she's been killed. But she's got one last trick up her sleeve. Do you want to describe that? 
No, I'll leave that one to you. Okay. You, you, you're leading the story here. Go on. Okay. So, <laughs> so effectively, um, the, the Jedi plead with the father to bring Ahsoka back to life. Um, oh, God, Ahsoka's... Sorry, I haven't explained how Ahsoka's died, have I? So, nope. <laughs> so Ahsoka gets into a long fight um, with Anakin and with Obi-Wan. And, um, and then... How does she die again? I'm trying to recall off the top of my head when I watched it. Because Obi-Wan throws the dagger to Anakin, Ahsoka catches it and hands it to the sun, and that's how they yes. die. Um, and then when that happens, the sun flees and Anakin rushes to Ahsoka's side. Her eyes are rolled back and she's Yeah, because dying. her, her use was at an end. Yeah. So he discards her. Yeah. And so we see here Anakin's attachment once again and the father, I suppose, transfers the very last life force, I'm not sure it's a yeah. description of the daughter, and brings Ahsoka back to life. Which, which again is this idea, and it's the daughter that wants that. Yeah. Which again is this idea that the light is prepared to, to give itself up. Yeah, because we see throughout, we see also, um, as Dave said earlier, that that we see light and day being very much um, light, good, dark of night, bad, where the planet itself regenerates every morning and decays and dies every night. So it goes through this entire process of life, decay, light, dark throughout. And, and this leads to a connection with Ahsoka and the daughter. Now, Dave, I'm not sure how much you've seen of Rebels now. Have you? I've done season three. I've not done season four. So do you know of the connection between Ahsoka and the daughter that goes on? No. Okay. Dave, I'm sorry I'm about to spoil things for you here. That's fine. <laughs> oh, right. so, so there's a creature uh, around Ahsoka um, that we meet in Rebels. Um, it's green and yellow in colour. It looks a bit like an, an owl almost. And as it turns... It's almost like a familiar. Yep. And that turns out that that is the daughter. Okay. Uh, if you look at it, it's... And, and then we go to... When we go to Rebels and they're trying to go to the, the place where time is fluid... Uh, the way they do it is through a mosaic of the father, the son, and the daughter. And the daughter clearly has it on her shoulder there. So the far, the daughter and the son can change into sort of animals. Sort of animals. Sounds a bit more of a well, we didn't see that. We, we saw that in the Mortisar because he tends to adopt the, the form of a gigantic bat. Yes. And she tends to adopt the form of a, a griffin. Yeah, yeah. But in the but in in rebels we see the the sort of owl creature, but we also see that the wolves surround the sun, the low wolves, which is how it turns into a portal that they then, that Ezra then goes through, where he meets Ahsoka again, sort of tying that all back together. But I I really want to talk about the death of Ahsoka, the resurrection. And what that made you think about the possibilities of the Force resurrection? Ooh, 
resurrection. Well, that opens up all types of things, especially when you consider what happens at the end of The Last Jedi. Yeah, certainly does. Because on that basis, neither Snoke nor Luke could be dead. Yeah, I mean, I've always had... I'm deeply suspicious of Snoke. I don't think he's dead at all. Um, Luke, I don't know. I, I, I think Ryan didn't give a monkeys about Snoke and so got rid of him. But he got rid of him in such a way that... He, he, so he got rid of him so badly that it's easy enough for him to bring him back. Yeah, I've, I, it just... It, it brings into... Because um, when we were... And I'm trying my hardest to stay away from the last film as much as I can. Um, when we were discussing the concepts of God and you know saying Godspeed as, as they left, etc., we now have from the Clone Wars uh, the idea of Jedi gods and Jedi... But they don't refer to them as that, though. They, they do. They do in Rebels in that episode. Yeah. Um, okay. They say the gods of Mortis. They do, and they say uh-huh. and it's written throughout Jedi texts. Um, so that that sort of changes that. Um, I, I, I just I don't, I, I'm trying to. It's almost theological. The question which I'm asking to you is that we now have deities resurrection, whereas before those who were dead joined the force. Mm-hmm. Some became force ghosts, and now one can come back. Ooh. I don't know, I honestly don't know, because I, I, as I said, the Star Wars universe for me has always been more of a fantasy than a, a hard science fiction anyway, unlike Star Trek, which is hard science fiction. Yeah. Um, so the idea that you can bring back life Again, it doesn't disturb me that much, if that makes sense. Um, it, it, it's no different to what you see in other story, other fantasy stories. Yeah. But do you want Star Wars to be different and exclusive and unlike other fantasy stories? Well, it already is. It's set in space. You, you have spaceships. You have this thing called the force you have laser swords so it's different i don't think there's any one story that that encompasses all these different ideas um you could say the same about any fantasy story really or science fiction story i think they'll all end up borrowing from each other as you go along because you've you've got a finite pool of of ideas um, so yes yeah, so that that doesn't disturb me the idea that, that you can have this okay. just because it depends how it's done really yeah if that makes sense no it does if, if it just becomes a, a machine that just allows them to recreate and bring back characters at a whim then that's wrong yeah which I think is a lot of people's concern with Rebels bringing time travel into canon and the fact that it is now possible to change the past 
and the future indeed from that. Um, I, I, I agree with you 95%. I kind of feel like they could have done without it. I'm not sure what it adds bringing Resurrection into Star Wars. Um, I think had she just simply died and her eyes woken up, no one would have thought any less of it. So I'm not sure what they were trying to do with that plot device. But I'm not even certain that they that even existed or any of that actually happened. Well, I mean, there is... I mean, in interviews, the idea was that it was a, a force dream, the whole Mortis arc... Um, between uh, Ahsoka, Anakin, and Obi-Wan. But with what's happened in Rebels, and the fact that we know that, that they're there, yeah. it, negates it's, that. It's, it negates it. So um, I I think that what you're saying was exactly right, and if we'd had this discussion six months ago, we'd be in full agreement. But now, because of what's happened in in Rebels, we know that there's gods, we know there's time travel, we've seen future Ahsoka... We now know Ahsoka, during the events of the original trilogy, was around doing we do not what, know what, perhaps time jumping, becoming learned, we don't know. And she's definitely still out there. We, we just, we, it, it, it's kind of, it's a bugbear now as, as to... Mm, I, I, well, okay, well, I don't know if this is, in part because Dave Filoni loved, Ahsoka so much yeah and this this takes me back to the idea that the Clone War cartoons for me is the story of Ahsoka yeah and when Disney bought Lucasfilm they canned the Clone Wars they decided right no more of that we'll do our own fresh thing again whether that's a good thing or not uh, we could have an entire debate around um but we know that Dave Filoni wasn't overly impressed by that. No. And he's done his damnness to bring um, Rex and um, Ahsoka back into Rebels to try and complete the stories that he couldn't complete in the Clone Wars. Yeah. We, we also know from his interviews um, around the time of the Mortis arc, post it and continuing, that he says that when it happened, its importance went beyond the episodes in ways we couldn't possibly understand. And we're now getting towards some of those plot devices, as you say. There was also um, a a fan-led idea, which was that in the new trilogy, it was going to turn out that um, Rey was the daughter uh, equivalent, Kylo Ren, father and Luke was going to be sorry Luke the father Kylo Ren the, the son um, and that might have been quite nice but uh, it obviously didn't go that way um, but there is still because the, the new trilogy is definitely focusing on balance without Sith and Jedi and what happens yes. afterwards which is very much along the lines of the Mortis arc Yes, that that you have, yeah, that you have light and dark outside of the, the Sith Jedi relationship. Yeah. So it's just that you've had a, a universe dominated by it for twenty thousand years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it is yeah, it it is interesting. So um, I'm skipping over some bits here just because we're 
we're getting a little bit in here. And um, so when we return to the third and final part of, of the arc, I'll, I'll describe it, Dave, is that Ahsoka um, is back in the damaged shuttle that they landed on, and she's trying to repair it. And Obi-Wan contemplates whether um, Anakin going after the sun is the right course of action. Um, and Anakin decides to return to the father and seek his help. He's very conflicted at this point. Can he help bring balance back to the Force? Should he be doing it, or should they just escape? Um, yeah. The father is with the daughter in a crypt where she is laying, her, laying the daughter down with the dagger of mortis laid upon her chest. And the father is now determined to, I'm trying to think of a better way, but eliminate and kill the son. And the danger that yes. he poses to, to everyone, well, I suppose the wider universe, really. Um, and he refuses to accept Anakin's offer of aid, since he believes that the sun can corrupt Anakin. Anakin's corruptible, and he's not strong enough, and that would wreak even more havoc upon the universe. Again, there's this fear that he could escape from the planet. Yeah. And he tells Anakin that the Force will now decide whether... Uh, will decide their fates and he has to look inside himself for the answers which are to come up. Um, leaves the crypt, Anakin then encounters Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon says to him, did you go down the path that you were meant to be? And they start having a conversation um, which ends in Qui-Gon saying to him, go down the well of the dark side, which I would completely forgotten about was a well and then it reminded me immediately of the last film where the dark side calling to Ray was also a well true yes that's a good point though. so I'd completely forgotten about that until that um, and then Obi-Wan prepares to look for Anakin where he's met by the father who tells him of Anakin's destination and sort of tells him not to interfere leave him alone um, and, but Obi-Wan ignores it and follows him down the well where we find Anakin talking to the son and then the son reveals to Anakin his future. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's really interesting. Again, this is time travel and showing Anakin what he was to become. It is, yeah, what what he'll become. Yeah. And again, it's this it's this quite heavy exploration of, of 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 how dark the Star Wars stories can be. Yeah. Um. Now, again, I think a lot of people immediately have, have said that the Star Wars, the Clone War cartoons, the cartoons, the kids shows, these are not... When you, when you go through these three, three films, it gets progressively darker and darker as you go through it. Yeah. Um, as, as you say, it's, it shows... He's... The sun shows Anakin everything everything that he's going to become yeah yeah but he's he, and he's not yeah but interestingly in <laughs> his anguish and determination not to become that person the son offers to help him change his future and prevent that and then Anakin joins him yes so, so in in a way he's not He's not entirely repulsed by the idea of what he will become. No. No. No, not at all. Um, 
and then Obi-Wan arrives to find Anakin, uh, I'm trying to think of a better word, poisoned by the dark side. His eyes have gone that yellow that we see later or earlier in the film, yeah. timelines, um, in the yeah. son's company who departs to go to the um, spacecraft and he's just trying to escape. escape with that and prepare for that. And then we see uh, Ahsoka uh, getting away just before he arrives, um, worried that the two were joined forces with the father, so that's Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, the son departs to prevent this, enters yeah, the tomb. Well, she, she, she takes something from the vehicle to stop the vehicle from escaping. Yeah, it's almost like a small battery, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. So, yeah, something on the on the dashboard. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing that that powers that craft. <laughs> it, it might be the ignition key. Oh, that's true. That'd be hilarious if it's got a proper key. <laughs> I yeah. suppose, why not? But, um, so, left alone, Anakin is confronted and questioned by the father, um, Anakin says that he's doing it because he will cause great suffering in the future. The father then erases his memory. Yes. So that's quite interesting that you can just erase memories with it. Well, only this force wielder can because he's so concerned about the havoc that will wreak on the galaxy if Anakin knows what could happen. Which means at this point he's still got a choice. Yeah, it's still yeah. There's a possibility it'll mess up timelines. Yeah. So I kind of I kind of like that. Tura joined, so they go to the monastery. Son arrives soon afterwards. Father pleads with him one last time to let go of his plans, despite the fact the fun the son is now really dark side. You know, I think he's beyond Sif almost. He's that evil. Um, he's he has the same lightning that you see from Palpatine, but even stronger in red. Which I kind yes. of like. Well, well, I suppose at that point he doesn't have the, the the daughter's balance. Yeah. There is no balance. It is purely evil at that point. Yeah. And then there's this sort of odd plot device, odd ending. I don't know. I'm interested in your views on this. Where the son, sorry, the, the father takes the dagger and kills himself in order to stop the son because the son's power flows from the father. Yes. I didn't quite yes. really. I didn't quite really get that as a as a thing, because just meant the, the the father was dying already in the beginning. So why did he bring Anakin if he died? Then balance would be there anyway, because his son and daughter would both die presumably. I don't know because we know that the daughter doesn't die. True. So the son doesn't die. Yeah. He yep. can't do. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if if they. As entities, are they continually renewed anyway? Yeah. I don't know. If anything, there's, there's more questions towards the end of it than there is answers. Because it, it, you've got this arc that doesn't, at any point again within the Clone Wars, really, it, it doesn't tie back in. No, not once. But there are ties to Rebels, which I'll touch on at the end. Other ties. There are. Yeah, yeah. The ones so, I was going to say, just, just as a quick aside on that, I was always intrigued by the fact that the Grand Inquisitor was almost a spitting image of the sun. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I, I, yeah, I, I didn't... That can't be just coincidence. It can't be, because you've, you've got the same team of designers, you've got the same producer. Yeah. Because there's also... And it's, the, it's the same red marks upon his face. Yeah. 
Yeah. Almost. There's slight differences, but not greatly. The same grey pallor. The same... Even the, even the outfit yeah. is almost exactly the same. Yeah. There was also quite a popular idea when the... I mean, it's not so popular now, but it was when it first... When Mortis ended and the new trilogy was announced that the sun was going to be revealed as Snoke. Yes. Um, and we've certainly seen some of Snoke's powers, which, you know, the ability to look exactly into everyone's mind, flick lights. Manipulate minds, yeah. Yeah, flick lightning, everything. He seems to have been an incredibly powerful force wielder. Who that, knows? that had been hidden whilst Palpatine was in power. Exactly, yeah. Just on the edge of the galaxy. I mean, it's in the... It's in the novel version of the last, not in the last. Yeah, it's in the last Jedi, is it? No, it's sorry. It's in the. It's, I think it's in the, in the um, uh, Battlefront Two, where Palpatine feels this presence, which turns out to be Snoke. Mm-hmm. So we. So he senses this almighty power in the outer rim. Then, so there's. I mean, I know we're going into fan theory here, but but I think that's kind of interesting, um, and we see the father vanish, but. The son's body stays, which, as you yes. say, with some regenerative properties could be possible. Um, at which point, Mortis itself starts to collapse. So we've got these floating islands in the sky, floating jewels, and everything starts to absolutely. Fault, yeah. yeah. At which point, um, we see uh, the Jedi return back to where they were as if nothing ever happened. Um, so. Interestingly, uh, when you mentioned Mortis at the beginning, and again, I don't know if you're there in the Clone Wars, I think you've probably seen it. Um, not Clone Wars, Rebels, sorry. Um, Mortis itself, you, you described it as, as a red, well, sort of two pyramids, one on top of, or one top, one Yes, yeah, 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 rather than a diamond, yeah, that makes sense. Which, which exactly is, of course, the top of the Sith Temple that we encounter in Rebels looks identical. Yes. Yes, it does. And it even has the exact same properties. And inside there, uh, so when they retrieve the Sword of Mortis, it comes out of sort of a green case, which mm-hmm. is the exact thing that um, that we see that we see the the uh, holocrums retrieve from from that episode as well. When Ezra goes and takes them out, it's the exact same thing. Yes. So it it shows that. Either these symbols were replicated, as you said, through thousands and thousands of years and happened to be there, or the power of, of Mortis was distributed because, as we know, like with the Jedi Temple, which has been there and can lock itself up, and it takes a master and apprentice to open it, etc. Um, we see lots of things that, that perhaps we didn't know at the time that has influenced Star Wars going forward, and I think that's pretty cool. It shows that. Dave Filoni's got a lot of power within Lucasfilm. Yes. Because there is ideas. Yeah. And fair enough, he, he created some of these ideas under George Lucas, but he's now unfettered by that. He's got Kathleen Kennedy, but he knows Star Wars better than she ever will. Yeah. Yeah. So that sort of brings us to the end of the, the Mortis arc. And as you said, it was a... I think it was intended to be a self-contained trilogy. Um, it was almost out of step of the rest of 
of the Clone Wars it was. in many ways. But, the, but, but then when, I don't know if you've ever tried to watch the, the Clone Wars, if you watch the Clone Wars episode by episode, you'll actually discover that some of the times jump around in that. Yeah, definitely. I'm actually re-watching them all at the minute, I'm halfway through season four. Um, so I'm experiencing that right now. But it's quite it's quite odd to go back and, and watch it after... Because obviously at this point, when the Clone Wars was created, there was no new films coming out. True. So I, I tend to... And I think this is some of the confusion around Star Wars and the problems of, as I think you discussed very well on previous podcasts, about expanded universes. And they haven't quite got it right in Star Wars because it's not. It's a timeline of one story with things happening off it at the minute. And sometimes yes. it gets a bit confused. Um, yes. And and this to me is, is, if it had been a standalone trilogy and nothing had come of it, I think I would have preferred it in some ways <laughs> because I really loved it and I loved the exploration of the Force and I loved the idea of the father-son-daughter and I liked seeing what happened to Anakin in his journey. I liked seeing Obi-Wan as a master um, learn and become wiser. I liked to see Ahsoka tested, see who she could be, fall to the dark side, redemption. I thought it was really cleverly done and very self-contained. But now it has an influence on the great universe... I'm not sure what to think because I, I personally, and I, I know you haven't watched it, so it's almost difficult to discuss it with you. But the concept of time travel in Star Wars, I do have a problem with. I have a problem with it, and I don't like it. Go on, man. Because I think, I think having a linear timeline meant that we that we had a journey. And that that's the way it was. And of course, future's always in flux because you've got to have this idea of um, uh, self-determination, accountability, choice, etc. And, you know, I think that's explained and explored very well in a film like The Matrix, for example. Um, but but in Star Wars, you had the, the chosen one, which is predefined fate. Um, but now you have this idea because Ezra goes back in time and clearly when Ahsoka's about to die and be killed by Darth Vader, saves her, drags her out of that timeline, and puts her back in somewhere where she doesn't belong. And the second mm-hmm. you do that, you can do it with anything. Mm. And I don't like that. I don't like the idea that someone could, I don't know, go in and grab... I don't know, let's go grab Luke out after the first film and then the Empire wins. There's no one to fight. It's dead. That's, that's a good point. I mean, this, the strange thing about this is, is that you saw at the end of season two Ahsoka being taken by Vader. Yeah. And then, is she dead? We don't know. No. But that, that's the way it's taken. Yeah. She's potentially she's dead because at that point Vader is is, is the e- most evil creature you can imagine. He's got no remorse, no attachment anymore. He's he's buried that under his his anger and hate. So in your head, you're thinking, yeah, Sophie's going to die here. Yeah. So and then she doesn't really pop up again over the next two seasons. No. So the assumption is, yeah, 
Vader's got rid of her. Um, so the strange, yes. So the strange thing about that is the fact that Dave Filoni did that and yeah. got rid of her. Then. Yeah. And then it's almost a case of two seasons later, he brings her back again. Yeah. If, if if it had, what what I'm trying to say is if it had been a decision under one person to get rid of her. Yeah. And then the decision under somebody else was, you know what, she was so good, we don't want to get rid of her. Let's invent a reason to bring her back. Mm. I, I could understand why you might go down this route of time to travel to try and circumvent a story, a plot hook, which you didn't like someone else doing. Mm. Whereas this is different. This is, would well, he decided that that's where she went, and he decided that that's where the, her story ended, or that's what it looked like. Yeah. For him to then have second thoughts two years later and bring her back again, using a plot hook which has never been, never appeared before, even in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's just a bit strange for me. Yeah, and then that, and you make a very good point with the Clone Wars. I mean, that means literally someone can go back at any time. And then let's say go back and say, "Oh, good news! Let's get rid of that problem in the Death Star." We could get rid of Palpatine. Yeah. Well, you, you well, yes. And you, you can you can execute him whilst he's a senator. Yes. 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 I suppose you could. Yeah. And I, but even that, I just, I just, I don't think Star Wars needed time travel. Yes. When you bring it, when you pull it around to that, then yes, that is it's slightly disturbing. And I think that's because everything that you've seen before can be removed. Yeah, and I, uh, that's what I meant earlier about resurrection and the Force. And I liked, I love the idea of the Force because it's it's a very unique concept that there is there is something guiding and pulling everywhere. And to be honest, you, in a way, you almost kind of wish it was here as well. And who knows, it might be something like the Force, all guiding us and you know penetrating us. It's who we are. It's our being. Um, and then to find out, no, nah, there's time travel and you can change it all and you can do all this sort of stuff. I just, I, I can't, I don't like it. I love Rebels. I love Rebels. And I love that episode. But I don't like the idea of time traveling Star Wars. It's what it means to the wide universe. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, yeah. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> so have you got, have you got any more thoughts about the mortis arc any more points you want to make anything you don't think we haven't covered at all the one thing I I did like about it well there there are lots of things I did like about it to be fair just because it was I think because it was such a mature concept and it took the clone, it took the Clone War cartoons to a very different place um, and made brought in themes which had never been explored before. So I, I liked it in lots of ways for that. But I did like the interaction between the father, son, daughter. Um, and I liked the way that they painted the, the, the two light and dark um, although 
again, I suppose if you go back to what I was saying about the Jedi being the, the, this concept of law and constrained and and controlled, in a way, the daughter was very controlling. She didn't tell the full story. Yeah. But again, this from a certain point of view. Um, mm-hmm. The idea that maybe you shouldn't know everything because if you know everything, then that gives you too much freedom to make a choice. Whereas to lock it down by not providing all the information means that you can be guided on a path which may be the best path. It may be the, the most, uh, the safest path for the universe, but it's not necessarily the right path. Mm. Whereas the, the sun is painted very much as a, as a devil may care, do what you want and don't worry about the consequences. And again, that, that, that brings back this idea that, that Jedi is law and Sith is chaos. I think that's a really nice place to end it, and that's and and the, and the thing is, um, we we both I'm speaking on behalf of Dave, Alex, and Andy, the council. We'd all love to hear what you think about what we've spoken about today. We love to be challenged. We we really like to hear new ideas, and I I don't know about you, Dave, but I really appreciated after the last podcast, people getting in touch with us, telling us what they liked and. Hopefully, what they don't oh, yeah. like as well. I agree, and I, I really feel like we're building a really good community around the Jedi Council and the podcast. And um, I just really want to hear what our listeners think about this. No, I agree with that. I mean, I, I, I'm certain that this is on your list of things to, to tick off today. Um, but I know that we were contacted by some of the, the, the people that follow us and people that we follow as well. Uh, asking or making suggestions of what they'd like to see on podcasts. Um, And I really like that because it it means that people have a genuine interest in what we're saying. It's one thing to to give us feedback afterwards and saying, I like that, I agree with that, or I didn't agree with that. That's one thing. Um, But for people who actually want to get involved and and steer us around subjects, I, I like that as well. Yeah, because we're all, we're all just fans at the end of the day. And what I'd like to think that we do slightly different to other podcasts is is go and look at sort of subsets with a, with a very different but open point of view and really take into account what are the questions that people are asking out there and trying to find solutions to them. And, I mean, I, I love thinking about Star Wars more and more, uh, what the force is. I love these sort of questions, and I think... You know, anything people can tell us about that is just really interesting. Yeah, well, if people have got ideas around this entire motorcycle, I'd love to hear them. Definitely. We've, we've, we've just literally come at it as, as two people's ideas. I know this is much closer to your heart um, because this was a subject that you, you were keen for us to, to discuss. Yeah. And I would actually say that your knowledge of this, and going back to your original introduction of me as... as um, Darth Plagueis, um, I would actually say that your knowledge around this is much stronger than mine. Um, I've, I've seen the episodes, I've enjoyed the episodes, but I think for you, you've looked into it much more deeply than I have. Yeah. Much more deeply. 
that's that's one of the things I love about Star Wars though is is that ability um, almost in every film and every episode of the Clone Wars and every episode of Rebels and every book every comic you can look at it and find questions from it and compare it to other parts of law and, and come up with different conclusions and create debate around subject matter. And I think that's one of the most wonderful things about Star Wars. I agree with that. I mean, but also, I think one of the great things that Star Wars has done, and Lucasfilm, I suppose, have done, is their continuity. Yeah. And the, the fact that if something happens and something becomes canon... The, the the way that Lucasfilm then manages that to make sure that that is canon and it's supported elsewhere then. Um, it's not necessarily going backwards and trying to invent things to fill plot holes. It's more a case of, no, this, this is the way it works and we will now show that elsewhere, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then future things might reference back to something that happened 30, 40 years ago um, but in such a way that it's tidy and neat and it works. And that, I think that's one thing that I do like. It, it is this, the, the continuity, <laughs> I say that, but then you, you have glaring holes between the prequels and the, the original trilogy, to be fair. Um, I remember Obi-Wan Kenobi in the original trilogy, the original Star Wars movie, saying, I never owned a droid. Yeah. And then, you know, for a fact, he, he, he knew R2. Yeah. Fairly well, just a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And and talking of our talking of our listeners, we want to really encourage you, and we do put tweets out about this um, before we're recording every time, um, to give us questions for us to answer or to consider. And so last week um, there were a few questions that came in, unfortunately, just after we'd recorded. And so I'd actually like to go back to one of them, if you don't mind, Dave, which was from, oh, yeah. the, yes. from the Separatist Army. Um, and, and the question for you is, do you think the Jedi of the prequel era, such as Yoda and Mace Windu, knew about Akhtu and the original Jedi textbooks? Mm. That's a really difficult question, though. I guess we are the Jedi Council these days, so true, we, we should know it. the answer to that. Um, and you're Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> a small wizened green. Yeah. yeah um, I don't know. <laughs> the idea that the Jedi are a school of thought, a, a religion depending on how you want to the, the Emperor Palpatine refers to them as a religion yeah. um, in the original trilogy but then when you go back to the prequels it is more um, it's almost almost like Buddhism yeah. in that it's a way of living rather than a, a pure religion um, so you've got this way of living that stretches back 20,000 years and we know that the, the Jedi, again, I suppose it depends it depends where you're now merging between the expanded universe, which is now Legends, and what we know for facts, yeah. which is very little, really, about anything pre the prequels. Yeah. Be because it's not really been explored in canon. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. go on. 
I'll, I'll chuck I'll chuck my hat into the ring at that point and say I think that they did know. Um, the the reason being is is uh, things like in Rebels where they say they knew about the Mortis gods, and they had and it appeared in Jedi texts throughout the ages. I find it hard to believe that the original texts, because Yoda must have read them because he said Page Turner they were not in the last film, were not in the Jedi Temple. No. And, and so, but then we know that the Jedi Temple moved around. Yeah. Or that the Jedi base of, of operations moved around. And at the beginning of the Mortis arc, the father says that very few remember them, saying that some Jedi do remember them. And who better than a 900-year-old wizard? Exactly. Exactly. Now, knowing that something exists and knowing where to find it are two different things. True. So I'm not suggesting that they don't know that that place, how to get there, but I'm suggesting that they know that it came from somewhere. You've also got the fact that somehow Luke, without any ability to commune with Yoda or Mace Windu or any of the previous Jedi Masters, at least unless Yoda did um, commune with him over those 20-odd years, 30-odd years. So we don't know. Um it's, it's somehow Luke managed to track down where that was. And he, the only way he could have done that was by examining the material that must have been in existence. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then Yoda had access to that. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. But chose never to go there. Yeah. But then, um, have you seen season six of the Clone Wars where Yoda goes on the mission so he went to places and saw um extensions of the force was this was it yeah and so i I think that they that these things existed but they've not been examined yes and i think it's again again because clone wars was cancelled yeah yeah and i think that these are the sort of i mean we put out a tweet the other day about how poe survived the crash um, uh, in the mm-hmm. beginning of, of uh, yeah, uh, of, yeah, sorry. So as he survived that crash, and I, and I think like that, these are the sort of details that they will fill in at some point. True, true. Well, take us back then to the, the question from Separatist Army. Um, yeah. So do question, we think that... Yoda and Mace knew about Akhtu and the original Jedi text. I guess the answer must be yes. In some form or way, they must have known it existed. Yeah. Or the librarian. Yes. She might definitely. Have known. <laughs> um, so I, I think that's it's a really good question, um, and I I think it's something that I I would like to see them explore in the future. There's no reason why not. There's no reason why. I don't understand why, in a way, I mean, this this comes back to what I was saying about the expanded universe and, and the fact that this is a linear story, really, at the moment. I don't understand why Lucasfilm are not exploring some of those other areas. 
they've got an entire universe to play with. So it gives them the opportunity to go back 10,000 years. It gives them the opportunity to go back a thousand years to before Yoda was on in, in existence to have a look at the Republic at its height before the rot started to set in. Yeah. Yeah. Or even far into the future. Um, Indeed. I mean, the, the, right, right. the thing, the thing that did, we, did, sorry, go on Dave, sorry. No, no, no I was just going to say, did we really need to see this new trilogy as a continuation of the, the Skywalker legacy could we not have just ended with Return of the Jedi and then jump forward a few generations yeah yeah well that that ties nicely into what I was about to say actually which is um what we know is is that there's two new trilogies out there we don't know how soon they're going to come out what order what they're necessarily about all we know is that Rian Ryan Johnson is doing something completely separate to the original series and so um when you go back and the first time you ever watch Star Wars, you have many, many questions because it's sort of implied that you know why this is happening. And I wonder if what they're going to do with these new films, because if they're going to try and do one every year, they're going to run out of material pretty quickly unless they start really delving into these sort of questions. Which is a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because um, I, d- I don't know how many more of these spin-offs like Solo, Rogue One we're going to have. Um, if, if they've already commissioned these two other series, live action, many more comics, What's books. Yeah, what, I'd seen something online that was indicating that the new trilogies could be Obi-Wan and could be Ahsoka's. Yeah, I mean, they, they did. It was reported, I think, in Variety last year that the Obi-Wan <laughs> film had been given the go-ahead. And that they were just trying to confirm on director and things like that, um, but with no celebration, that they're not going to announce something that big. Um, no. So I imagine that will be the big announcement next year, or where we're going with other other trilogies. But um, yeah, no, all interesting stuff. Um, so I think I think we sort of finished on that question, Dave. So I've got one last thing to do, which is to remind all our followers that they can. Uh, get in touch with us on the Jedi Council Twitter feed or on our personal Twitter feeds. Um, they can look at our Instagram photos. And for those of you on iTunes, please, please, please do leave us a five-star rating and a comment. really helps us. Please continue to spread the word. We love having these conversations. We love building the community further and strengthening relationships. And um, oh, Dave, I can't remember. Is there anywhere else where they can listen to us? Ooh, ooh, I think there's this thing called SoundCloud. SoundCloud, that's it. <laughs> that's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if you and Alex can have an in-joke, that's my in-joke with you. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you very much for listening to us. We are the Jedi Council. Um, last thought from you, Dave. <sighs> oh, the, the fact that for anybody that claims that Star Wars is a kid's show or a kid's film, you just need to to open your eyes to some of the themes and some of the ideas that are out there within the Star Wars universe. It's, it's family-friendly. I would say that. It's family-friendly, but that doesn't mean it's a kid's film. And I think that that's what you need to take away from Star Wars. Brilliant. I completely agree. 
So, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Look forward to speaking to you all soon. Thanks very much for your time tonight, Dave. And you? Yeah, no, it's been great again. It's been great. Cheers, guys. Bye. The force will be with you.